Mom, I'm doing Frog Pod. All right, welcome to another episode of the Frog Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Flanagan, alongside my co-host, Mr. Alan Taylor. It's been some time, ladies and gentlemen. We've missed you. Uh, me and Alan actually haven't had a chance to talk about TCU sports like this in a while ourselves in our own private manner. Uh, Mr. Taylor, it's good to hear your voice. It's good to see you uh, for those uh, for you and I actually here on Zoom. Uh, it's been a while. Lots happened. Yeah, a lot's been going on. When you talk about last time we spoke, we weren't even in the middle of spring football practice, and now we've already finished the spring football game. And, you know, March Madness came to a pretty tragic end for the basketball team, and baseball's now in the thick of conference play. So we got a lot of things to talk about here. Yes, we got, like Alan said, we got baseball to talk about. The Frogs, as you record this, are getting ready to go to West Virginia. We'll talk about this this season uh, so far for Frogball USA. Basketball, as if you're a Frog fan, you know TCU season ended in the round of 32 at the loss of Drew Timmy and the Gonzaga Bulldogs, and there's been a lot of movement within the program, guys leaving, guys coming in, guys who are currently declared for the NBA draft that might come back, in other words, on transfers that are coming in, and then we will talk about what we heard in, in spring football because today as we record this on Tuesday, uh, the transfer portal has been open and there have been a lot of entries, so we'll talk uh, about those entries and positions of need for the frogs. But Alan, let's start off with basketball. That was the last thing we talked about here on the frog pod. The season we knew was going to be a tough matchup versus Gonzaga. We both kind of said we had, we were confident against the Zags and it was overall a great environment. TCU played them quite well. It just, the frogs were not able to stop drew Timmy. He had a, one of the better games of his career, like a defining moment and just willed Gonzaga to a, Round of 32 went advanced to the Sweet 16. And Alan, it was very obvious that TCU was missing Eddie Lampkin on the interior to stop Drew Timmy from basically having his will in the paint. Yeah, I mean, we had no answer for Drew Timmy. It got to the point where even we were even using Micah Peavy as the primary defender on Drew Timmy and brought in guys like Solomon Dumbia, who actually gave Timmy decent a decently tough time and all in all, he was the best player on the court that day. Mike Miles played as well as he possibly could have to try to lose to a victory, and it just didn't work out. Drew Timmy was the best player on the court and led a really good good Gonzaga team to a victory, and that Gonzaga team was no slouch. They ended up beating UCLA in the Sweet 16 and advancing all the way to the Elite Eight before they got bounced by the eventual champion, UConn. Exactly, and I like I told you, Alan, like I said on the last episode we have, our, the region was tough, and there was so many good teams in there. I, I said that I thought the winner would come from there. UConn, the eventual national champion, kind of breezed through the tournament, kind of unscathed without much resistance from many teams. And I don't think TCU would have really had a chance, especially without Eddie Lampkin, with Sonogo being the uh, most outstanding player of the tournament, being at the center position. It, 
TC didn't have an answer for Drew Timmy. I don't know what their answer would have been for Sonogo had that matchup even come to fruition. But, you know, since that game, Eddie Lampkin has entered the transfer portal. He has found a home uh, at, at Colorado up in Boulder with Deion Sanders. That's where he is going. Uh, other frogs have announced their departure to the portal, includes Suleiman Dumbia, who committed uh, to Sam Houston State yesterday. Shahade Wells is in the portal as well as and with PJ Haggerty, too. Three frogs declared for the NBA draft. Mike Miles declared and will not retain his college eligibility. He had a press conference. We kind of knew this was coming. Mike's time at TCU uh, officially over. And then Damian Ball and Emmanuel Miller are still, as we speak, in the portal testing the NBA waters. It appears, Alan, that Damian Ball is leaning towards going, uh, testing the waters in the NBA and trying to get a professional career more so for the financial stability, the whole thing, but there is smoke around the odds that Emmanuel Miller might be back for TC preparing for it. And I know you didn't know this, but for other frog fans, Chuck O'Bannon will be back. He does still have eligibility. I do not know how do not ask me, but I have confirmed that Chuck O'Bannon will be back next year for the TCU Horn Frogs. Yeah, O'Bannon coming back is a really big piece. He actually shot the ball really well in March Madness out in Denver. So it's good to see that he's going to be coming back, and hopefully he can have a third straight really successful March Madness run for TCU. Besides that point, I think it's really important to note that we still have a decent amount of the core group that's still going to be on this team. When you talk about Micah Peavy coming back, you talk about Jacoby Coles, a guy who really stepped into a bigger role coming back. And then some transfers that we're about to get into that are about to fill those pieces of the guys that left. Yes, the transfer portal. I'll talk about what this reminds me of afterwards, but the transfer portal for TCU has been very, very active as when you have so many players leave, you got to bring guys in. And with TCU being in the Big 12, it is attracting high-level talent. Since the portal was open, TCU has added uh, Istan Mustafa, from Coastal Carolina. He is a big man that averaged a double-double in the Sun Belt. Jameer Nelson Jr. out of Delaware was considered a top-10 player in the portal. That was a huge gift for TCU. He averaged over 20 points uh, last season, uh, playing at a really high level against a lot of good P6 teams. They also add Tennyson uh, out of Texas and Corpus Christi, who shot the ball at a 40% clip and got good minutes against teams like Alabama in the tournament. And also Avery Anderson, if that name sounds familiar, is Oklahoma State's uh, shooting guard from last year. He is in the portal. As you record this, he has not officially committed to TCU yet, but our sources are saying that it is a very uh, almost done deal that he will be a Horn Frog next year. So TCU is adding talent back, Allen. And if you get Emmanuel Miller, and you, you're probably going to add one more big or one or two more players uh, in the transfer portal, you got a team that it's going to look very different. Don't know if the style will be the exact same when it comes to fast breaks and everything, but you got a team that you should feel comfortable being a March Madness team and being steady in the top 25 of some sort uh, for a good amount of the season. Yeah, stylistically, I expect the group as it's coming together to be very different, but not necessarily in a bad way. I think they're going to be a lot more efficient on on the offensive side of the ball and a lot more shooting on the perimeter, which could lead to a really great year for TC basketball in 2023-2024. I'm excited. I mean, it, it like we said, we don't know what it's going to look like yet, but I think it's going to be a, a pretty good team. You got some players, uh, Chase Posey and Isaiah Manning are some high-level freshmen that are going to come in. Isaiah Manning... I don't know how much he'll play in year one, but they really like him as a project and what he can do on defense and his mid-range game. Posey is a really dominant combo guard that they 
think could potentially give minutes right away. We'll see how that transforms. But this is a team that, you know, TCU's not going anywhere. Will they be as good as last year? I don't know. A lot of new pieces. But this reminds me of a few years back after the COVID year when there was a point where people were like, okay, is Jamie Dixon the guy to get this done? Everyone was questioning that. And then you go out, you clear house, and in the portal you bring in Emmanuel Miller, Damian Ball, Micah Peavy, uh, all these other guys, Xavier Cork. So that's what I think he's doing here. And hopefully if you take the step that you did after that season, going from a team that didn't make the tournament to a team that almost beat a one seed Arizona, then you have a pretty nice step forward to coming from a team that took a really good Gonzaga team down to the wire. So that's that on basketball, Alan. Let's transition to Frog Ball USA. It's been a weird year. TCU has some great wins. You beat Vandy and Arkansas, who are currently like two of the top three, four teams in the SEC. You beat a good Oklahoma State team at home in a series, but then you lose to OU. You lose the series just last week to UNC Wilmington. It's so back and forth, this TCU team, Allen. You they gave away a series win in Lubbock. I mean, I mean, it's kind of tough at this point with TCU baseball because any given you're gonna watch because any given night they can beat anyone in the country, but at the same point, any given night they could lose. Yeah, and it's all of it's coming down to pitching and a major lack of consistency within the pitching staff. With that being said, if you would have told me going into the year that on every Saturday afternoon I'd be confident going with Cole Klecker on the mound, I'd be very happy with that. The problem's actually been with the two senior guys, Ryan Vanderhey and Cam Brown, being the bookends of the rotation on Friday and Sunday, really struggling with their command early and often. Vanderhey has come on a little bit since some major struggles early on in conference play with a decent outing against Oklahoma State, and then just a little bit better than Brown, who is really struggling with his command in the first three innings, giving up multiple runs in each of his last few starts. But at the same time, we saw what Kim Brown can do when he is on his own game, and it's lights out. Against Louisiana Lafayette last year in the College Station Regional, he had the best start of any starting pitcher for TCU in, frankly, recent memory. And if he can get back to that type of form, this TCU team is a team to watch out. You know, the story with Cam Brown's always the same. It's when he's on, he's one of the best pitchers that has donned the TCU uniform. But when he's not, which is a majority of the time, it's a guy that you can't leave in there for more than three or four innings. I mean, I vividly remember a Tuesday night, I believe it was our junior year, which would be his freshman year. Um, he was literally out there for less than 10 pitches. And like he was started a Tuesday night game, less than 10 pitches in. I don't even think he allowed a run per se, but I think his location was off and Schloss immediately went out there and just pulled him. I mean, it, it is so, and I don't know Cam Brown on a personal level, nor have I ex- explored the situation to a point where I can really give a solid opinion on this, but it seems like mentally you, you don't know what you're going to get because like we've both said, he's either really, really good or it's, Tough to watch. You can't even put him out there. And it's sad because he loves TCU. That That's for sure. Um, he, he's a good teammate, and he has all the physical tools, and he flashes that in practice and in bullpen sessions, but then you get to the game, and it's just not the guy who you need to be out there. And if TCU's going to have the aspiration to get back to Omaha for the first time since 2017, I believe, then he's got to be on, frankly, the matter. Ryan Vanderhei, no offense, I don't think he needs to be the guy for us to get there. Can he be? Yes. But I think if we're going to get to Omaha, Cam Brown's going to be 
play a lot better than he has right now because his pitching staff has been banged up. Tonight, they get Luke Savage back. So if you hope that Luke Savage is anywhere close to what he was last year or at his peak in his career, then you're in a good spot. But Cam Brown needs to come around and at least be serviceable if this team's going to get to where it, needs to, it, where it wants to go. Yeah, and I guess one more thing about the pitching stuff is the bullpen has been better than expected, I will say. It has, I think, yes. I think it's fair to say that Garrett Wright has really come into his own this year and emerged as a true great closer for TCU, even though he's forgotten his jersey one time. He, <laughs> we have other guys like freshman Luis Rodriguez, who's played a good impact. Ben Ablett, who's a pretty good pitcher, who struggled at times, but has had some good outings. And some other guys like Sam Stoutenborough, found their own roles within the bullpen that you really need to have those types of guys to make a run when it really matters and try to get to Omaha. So the pieces are there. We just got to get some starting pitching to perform better. Exactly. And as we record this podcast, uh, DC is entering a very pivotal stretch tonight versus Lamar uh, on Tuesday night. And then you got to go to West Virginia, which is no easy team. They've had some flashes this year, a very good team next weekend. You got Texas and which is going to be a very raucous, crowd i expect that to be probably one of the best scenes from lupton stadium since in this actually in the sarlu's era i'm going to say just due to the fact that it's texas they're going to have multiple games on national television and frankly just similar to the 2021 campaign uh you're going to get a basically a weekend that decides who can lift that big 12 trophy not as pivotal as the one back in 2021 because that was a top five matchup in the country but nonetheless this one decides easily who could lift that trophy and potentially the difference between a regional having to go through Austin or go through Fort Worth. So with that being said, Alan, that's going to transfer us to football. And um, like you said, the last time we spoke, there was no spring football going on. Now the spring football is over and we had the spring game this past weekend. And it was an interesting one. I admittedly, neither of us have watched the full uh, completion of the spring game, but part of that is because there was a lot of injuries, a lot of key players that just weren't playing. Josh Newton hasn't gone all spring. Savion Williams was held out for bits and pieces of it. it. We just didn't really get a full look at TCU. To me, when I watched bits of it out, it just felt more like a commemorative, like the team's back, you know, Sonny Dykes and company, they're out there. It, it to me, it didn't feel like okay. Am I really watching to see so and so? The only thing that really caught anyone's eye was Chandler Morris and Josh Hoover going at it. Uh, John Paul Richardson had a great game. We're gonna talk about him in a minute, but it, it just didn't feel like a fully encompassing spring game, just due to all the absentees for it. Yeah, and with that being said, I mean, you talk about their absentees at the time, and then since then, we've had a, a few more guys into the transfer portal themselves. So spring football has definitely changed with the portal coming into play now. We had the early portal window after the season ended in January. The portal just reopened again, and a lot more guys are going to enter. So the guys that participate in spring ball are not necessarily going to be the same group that's going to be suiting up for, for, I guess, fall camp and then going into the actual games this fall. So it is nice to have the practices, but I will agree that it's a lot less meaningful now than it used to be before the transfer portal played such a big impact in college football. Exactly. And what leads us directly to the transfer portal today, ultimately opened up for TCU, multiple players entering their names, some surprises, some not Uh, the most notable one being Jordan Hudson, the former five-star according to on three entered the transfer portal today alongside uh, Kyron, Tyron Chambers, uh, the three-star out of South Oak Cliff who won a state championship there. 
Well, we've also saw Landon Watson, who I I really liked Landon Watson. It just I never really felt like he was going to get that opportunity, but he hits the portal today. He was a big fan of TCU. He loves TCU. It's just a matter of him getting playing time. Uh, who uh, Blair Conright entered the portal, uh, Blue Ellis and entered the portal as well. So it, it was a lot of guys who, um, for the majority of the part, just were not going to get the playing time that they were seeing. And honestly, guys that will be better off going to another program and contributing at that level, Alan. But the main one here is Jordan Hudson. And I think that this is big because just one, talk about the wider receivers in general, and two, just the nature of college football. Cause I think this is the first time really that a TCU we had we dealt with Zach Evans last year and the Ole Miss and transferring for for him to chase the bag and get however much Ole Miss boosters paid him to be the RB2 in Oxford. But this one is different because while Speculation is he's going to either head to Arizona State to be with Rashad Samples and Byron Carrington, or he's going to go to SMU and chase a bag. Many people are questioning this because it's, okay, he was getting reps with the first team. He was slated to have a bigger role uh, than he was last year in terms of snap percentage, so why would he leave? So that makes me ask you the question, Alan. What is your take on this, and what should TCU fans be feeling about this Jordan Hudson transfer? Because, frankly, some are saying – we don't really need them. Others think you need to be hit the panic button. Yeah, I think it's an interesting dynamic, especially given the fact that he Hudson was a guy that was committed to SMU before, I guess, Dykes and company came to Fort Worth. And with that being said, he was committed to Garrett Riley's offense. He was committed to more of that air raid style, the vertical passing. And now that's not what we're going to be running with Kendall Bryles leading the offense. We're going to be using our tight ends a lot more, a lot more over the middle. And we've recruited that way. We've brought in a whole new chunk of wide receivers through the transfer portal. John Paul Richardson, who you mentioned, Jack Besh from LSU, and JoJo Earl from Alabama that are going to play really big roles in the offense. And while they may not be playing the same position that Hudson is playing, they're going to be seeing a lot of touches. And I think that's what Hudson's fear is. And, you know, if Hudson doesn't think that he's going to be able to adapt and be able to find productive snaps in our new system, it's on his own volition to try to find a better place for him. And who knows? It's happened before. We Hudson has actually entered the portal when the, it opened the first time, and he just ended up rejoining TCU and for the spring. So who knows how it's going to work out, and I wish him the best. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just the nature of the fact. And the thing with TCU is that, you know, while we do believe that every sport that we have can compete for national championships due to our location, it will, we will still never be at that top tier of schools where players – are just good. Every player is going to want to be here. And I think that for Jordan Hudson, it was a lot of, and I don't want to indict this on this character. It, it kind of became a lot about him and what I think. And, you know, from a, from a bird's eye view, you're a starting wide receiver on defending national runner-ups. You're entering an offense that, well, it might not favor you. You're still going to be on the field and have the opportunities to make plays. But at the same time, we hear reports out of camp that Jordan Hudson is just going through the motions and that he wasn't being as dominant and that he wasn't getting open and that Helm and uh, Channing Canada and Mason White were just locking him up all camp. And these are Juco guys and guys coming in from Florida and Avery Helm that are just locking him up and not even 
allowing him to create separation. So while you're not losing reps, you're not winning those reps and you're not being the most dominant. And yeah, it's not going to be about you. And that's what take the mentality that Dykes is bringing here is that you got to come to work every day. It doesn't matter how good TCU gets. Dykes is going to demand you perform. And then if you perform, you'll be the guy. And he was still given the opportunity. So it just seems like this is a big, this is a Jordan Hudson personal decision. This wasn't a Jordan Hudson. I want to be a part of a winning team decision because the thing is here, Alan, if he would have been a senior, I would understand this a little bit more your last chance or whatever, but instead of giving opportunity, you're just going to jump ship when it gets a little bit uncomfortable. That That's, that's what my personal take on from a deeper level is. Yeah, no, I think that's very fair, but I think while he's not going to be on the team, it looks like next year, we got to talk about this defense and the talent they have returning on that side of the ball and those three corners that you mentioned that are going to be part of a dominant defensive secondary, it looks like, along with we have arguably the best safety room in the entire country next year. Mm-hmm. We have Bud Clark coming back, Miller Bradford coming back. We're going to find another safety to plug in there with them. And then we have the corners, as you mentioned, Helm, an SEC-level blue-chip guy. And then we have these top JUCO corners and Mason White and Channing Canada that – frankly, probably contributed to Kyron Chambers realizing he wasn't going to get playing time and ending leading him to transfer out. So the defense is going to be special, and I'm really excited to see it. And, you know, if the competition is weeding out some guys, it happens. And you failed to mention Mark Perry, who started last year, and you also have Chase Biddle, who apparently this – uh, spring ball took major strides and he will definitely be on the field more. And if you haven't watched his highlights from high school, go watch him because the kid can hit and he can close for sure. So, I mean, uh, just to touch on that point, Alan, I know we have months to preview um, TCU football, but this defense, and we're going to say it a lot this summer, is going to be so, so good, I believe. The defensive line with Dominic Williams coming back, the linebacker room is so deep, and who knows what we add in the portal. But I think that this defense has the potential to make up for a lot of what um, it was missing last year. And while I don't think the offense will be at the same level as it was last year for as, as long as it was, the defense will be able to take that step forward because Joe Gillespie does produce good defenses. And another year with this many guys back and finally getting guys that fit his system and fit his style is going to prove major dividends, I believe, uh, for the Horn Frogs. But we don't want to get too deep into that football talk because – like I said already, we have plenty of time to talk about that, and there's going to be plenty more to go around. Um, but, yeah, all right, Alan. Um, I guess the next thing we can talk about is the draft next week. We're going to have a plenty of – we have a chance for the Frogs to probably break their record for most Frogs drafted in a single draft class. Quinton Johnston – kind of, I know we didn't talk about this, but just want to talk about it real quick. Quinton Johnston went from a consensus top 10 pick to – recently not even being invited to Kansas City out of fear that he might not even go in the first round. What do you make of this whole situation? Because I have my opinions on the NFL draft and how it's orchestrated, but to me, I feel like Quentin Johnson's someone that if he doesn't go in the first round, teams are making a huge mistake. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, I think the exact same thing. Quentin Johnson is the type of guy that was a dominant player in Fort Worth ever since he stepped on the field as a freshman in a game in Austin where he came up with a major catch and a big upset win all the way to the national championship game run this year. So he's a great player. There was a part of a lot of really great moments in TCU football. And, you know, if 
somebody's going to pass up on them, whoever ends up with them is going to be very happy with the player they get. I've I've always said that for someone that has watched college football for so long and uh, you know follows it as extensively from recruiting all the way down to the national championship game, it's so funny to me to watch the NFL draft and read stuff on it, and it's just you know people assume that they can just that pro you can just treat prospects like prospects, so you don't need to watch college football to really understand everything, um, because you read so many things about prospects and why this guy's going to rise, why this guy should fall, why this guy's going to work out in the NFL, why this guy won't. And it comes from people who do not watch college football. You need to watch college football for me to respect your opinion in any way, shape, or form uh, about the NFL draft. Because frankly, you know, the season of college football tells you a lot about the person and the style of play and everything else, because there's so many more variables to it than simply, all right, well, his measurables are this here were his numbers. This is why I think he's going to be good. There's so much more to it, but um, I think Quentin Johnston is going to do very well on Sundays. I don't think hot take. I don't think he's going to be the best wide receiver in this draft just because of his style and how the NFL is kind of gearing itself nowadays. But I do think he have a very great career. If I'm going to tell you who's going to be the best in this class, for sure, Alan, it's Steve Avila. I think that he is going to be amazing in the NFL. I think he's have a great long career. He is one of the more proud TCU football players I've seen in just recent years just because of how he carries himself and the fact that he was able to be so selfless and just be put wherever he was told to be put and made such a great impact. I think he's going to be one of the best interior offensive linemen in the NFL in not too long of a time. Yeah, I know. I agree entirely. I think Avila is a very special player, and I definitely think he's going to find a lot of success in the NFL, either at center or guard. So he's a virtual guy that's going to find a lot of success in wherever he goes. Yep. We also have guys like Trey Tomlinson, uh, Kendra Miller, Dylan Horton, obviously Max Duggan uh, to keep tabs on. So if you're a TCU fan, You'll, you will be watching a draft all three days, or not watching, but monitoring it because uh, every day there will be a Horned Frog drafted, knock on wood, um, this year. So it's going to be exciting. All right, Alan, uh, anything else? Uh, shout out Tom Hoagie. Uh, good luck this week to our friend Tom at the Zurich Invitational. There we go. Pro Frogs in all sports, not just, not just the major ones. All right, Mr. Taylor, thank you. As always, thank our uh, graphics guy, Owen Graham, our producer, Jackson Schlossnagel, uh, our assistant producer, Maple Schlossnagel, uh, our superfan, Nicholas Capasso, and our de- director of content, Jameson Mullen. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. We will try to be getting these episodes out more, you guys, now with you know downtime in sports. We're just going to space that a little bit, try to do every two or three weeks of content or if anything major happens get episodes out but follow us on the social medias we'll be posting each episode Uh, tell your friends put on notifications rate us everything all right thank you guys so much for listening to frog pod uh remember to make every day your best day and go frogs